Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Physiology Secrets Podcast. Uh, I've got Tyler here today to talk a little bit about what he's doing in terms of his training and preparation for the upcoming Xterra Off-Road uh, World Championships, so Off-Road Triathlon, uh, and how his training's changed from, I guess, Ironman focus earlier in the year, and now he's transitioning across to shorter distance off-road, what he's doing to be able to make that transition as smooth as possible heading into the upcoming World Champs. So, do you just want to give us a quick rundown for the guys who haven't raced Xterra or don't know much about the off-road racing side of things? Do you want to just give us a rundown of generally how the races work, the distances, um, and maybe what you're expecting in terms of, I guess, race times or typical race times for the, the course over in Hawaii? Yep, so uh, majority of off-road try, so whether it's a cross-try run by um, ITU or Xterra's, I guess, the other big name, their 1.5k swim, 30k mountain bike and 10k run. They vary a little bit more, they're not as rigid as um, some road racing, so bike courses often may be 26k, 32k, sort of in that, but generally 30. Runs can be 10, 12, I think, Hawaii Maui might actually be 11, I'm not too sure actually, but um, it's yeah, so it sounds almost like Olympic distance, but generally a bit longer. So time-wise, I think two and a half is probably more like, for an elite, probably two and a half more common than, than two hours for an Olympic. So it's sort of starting to push between that Olympic and 70.3 in yeah. terms of time out there. Um, Maui itself, massive variation, uh, mostly weather. I think weather plays a huge part. Um, I think last year especially had a huge amount of rain which just turned the bike course to absolute mud. Um, but in terms of uh, overall winners, so elite winners, they're sort of varying from two and a half hours up to even 2.53 hours if it's, a, if it's a real slow year. So, you know, you can see that massive variation in terms of age groupers. Again, 2.50 might get your first age group home or three hours, 10, something like that in a slower year. So um, that's about it. Uh, how it works really swim. Generally, these races have a two lap swim with a short beach run. I don't really know why, it's just, just the way it one is. of those things that, yeah, so yeah, often it's a 2750 metre lapse with a you know, short beach run in between, Maui can be, it may have a proper ocean swim, so there are years where you see photos and there's just walls of white water coming in, so personally I look forward to that, but again, of course conditions vary, so could be a mill pond, could be reasonable surf. Um, I guess the other key thing is uh, climbing, so lots of climbing on the bike and the run, um, and then technical skills come into it a lot more than a road race so obviously on the mountain bike but also trail running so just foot placement and things like that so it's probably the big changes. So yeah so in terms of I guess bike and bike and run a hell of a lot more concentration required throughout the race as you get fatigued becomes even more critical so you're not rolling your ankle you're not falling off um, yeah you're hitting turns as, as quick as you can like you said it's going to change that factor could dramatically change based on if the course happens to be a faster course because the conditions on the day are a slower course. If you're out there for longer, potentially it's going to have a bigger, bigger impact in terms of you being able to stay upright, really, as opposed to just on the flat. If you if you do an Olympic distance down beach road, you're on the flat, just hammering it for for sort of 45 minutes at a time. Yeah, yeah, that, that is think. a that is a massive difference. I guess anyone that's done a road race knows that, especially if you're getting Ironman or 70.3 over an Olympic, you know, you're on the bike, you can really switch off and just get in your zone and just sit there but yeah certainly off-road racing is different there is no no the second you switch off is the, the second you find yourself lying on the ground so yeah. um yeah the course itself the weather and then 
um, overtaking is a, is a different experience as well because there's a lot of single track type stuff. So um, I find everyone, most guys at these sort of off-road races are, uh, for lack of a better term, maybe a little bit more relaxed than some of the on-road stuff. So everyone's reasonably polite. And if you, you let someone know you want to come past, you, know, you may have to wait just depending on the terrain, but people are pretty good in in letting you go past. We don't, no one's trying to hold anyone up. So, but that that is something you need to take into account. Just actually did a mountain bike race the other week and tried to overtake someone at a bad spot and ended yeah. up lying on the ground. So, yeah, things can happen really easily. Um, yeah, mechanicals. There's probably a, a lot more that can go wrong than a road race. Um, but I guess that's all part of it. Yeah, and and like you sort of said, changing conditions. You were sort of talking before we jumped on camera. Even something as simple as wet sort of muddy day on the on the bike you're having to potentially get on and off to try and clear your chain and, and get everything moving mechanically again every k two k's if you're doing that over the course of sort of a 30k bike that's a lot of stop start stop start so in terms of i guess that probably leads into what training you're doing in terms of like energy system contribution or how you train to prepare for one of these events does it dramatically change compared to something like 70.3 or ironman that you've done um, sort of earlier in the year that you're prepping for or is it similar concepts you just try and get the mountain bike a bit more try and trail run a bit um yeah it looks very different um i guess we work off the same principles though so in terms of load and if we talk about load being you know if people don't know um duration frequency intensity I guess the goal is total training loads not dramatically different, it's just made up differently. So volume or, or duration is going to be way down, but intensity is going to be way up. So the fact that you don't need to do as many hours means that you can make those hours a bit harder um, and work on that side of things. So I guess the process is the same. Like, so I'm going to look at, I'm going to be aiming, based on what I've looked at, to probably be looking around three hours. So maybe under on a good day, maybe over on a bad day. So I would hope 310 on a bad day, hopefully not too longer. So with that in mind, I'm probably going to build to a three and a half hour type longer session. Yep. And I might, so I've done, I'm doing some three hours at the moment, which are basically all bike sessions. Um, I'm doing some runs that are sort of that 90 minutes at the moment, keeping in mind I'm probably not going to want to hopefully not be running for longer than an hour on the day, but uh, I'll build up to a point where I'll do a brick session or multiple brick sessions that are about that 330 mark. So same process, making sure we're getting that, we're worrying about that duration and getting that covered. Um, the big difference is the changing in, in intensity. So on-road triathlon, whether it be Olympic, uh, 70.3 Ironman, the goal would be to be steady. Yep. And essentially, that's the, that's the most efficient way to get from start to finish is to know your numbers and just sit there and be able to just maintain it the whole way. Off-road, that's not an option. So the swim, not too much changes. 1500, so I'm going to hopefully be swimming a fair, with a bit more intensity than I would be with an Ironman. Yep. Um, besides the getting out in the middle, which you know doesn't make too much difference. It's not. That's just going to be a case of get through the swim. I'll get to Hawaii two weeks early and, and do some open water swimming then to get used to that work on some surf skills, things like that. Um, but the bike and the run, there's super steep hills. So you can't get up some of these hills at below your threshold. Yeah. You just won't get up and they're too steep. Absolutely so can't. you're going to be forced to go uh, above threshold or into the red or whatever you want to call it, where you're going to start having that lactic acid accumulation really quick. Um, 
and then you're gonna have between not even pedaling downhill yeah. technical sections that aren't easy your upper body's working a bit more than on the road so you, and you're concentrating but your legs aren't going so hard so um one of the goals at the moment i'm doing lots of really high intensity sessions super hard intervals with really good recovery with the idea of that to improving aerobic um aerobic systems and with the goal being improve my ability to clear lactate so get it out quickly so yes i'm going to have to go into the red big efforts up hills hopefully in those those easier sections you can clear that lactate out really well um as we get closer a bit more specificity um, some longer intervals where it's it's not so much about clearing the lactate but buffering it so continuing to work through it keep putting that power down um, so similar type phases at the moment is what I do I'm, I am doing long slow zone 2 what we call our zone yeah. 2 work for aerobic efficiency when that gets closer to the race those long sessions will become more fart leg type sessions which are much more specific to the race yeah. um, so yeah same processes I guess same thought processes to go through Obviously, duration is a lot shorter, so we, I don't need to get to a 10-hour session or anything like that. Yep. Um, intensity is up, so I'll be more specific, harder work, and then that that above threshold, below threshold, getting used to that feeling, working through the lactic acid, clearing it out. And then specificity, I'm looking for, at the moment, looking for any trail running events that are on, mountain biking events, yep. um, and just getting involved in those, racing those, not, not tapering, not targeting them so much, but just mm. that race craft and riding in groups and following people on single tracks getting used to running up and down hills your quads yep. that eccentric loading running down hills is massive so getting your legs used to that aspect um so yeah there's probably a lot more to think about um different training but same ideas i guess yeah you sort of you're not dramatically changing what you're doing too much it's more just having a look at an off-road event and going, here's a bit more specificity in terms of, all right, you know it's going to be a bit more start-stop, you know you're going to have these tough climbs, but then you're going to get recovery breaks as opposed to, like you said, that consistent pace all day. Just analysing what you're likely to expect and then preparing as close as you can because you know that there's potentially so much variability in what the end result of the race could be in terms of time, course, difficulty, etc. You get as close as you can and hopefully you can put together a good race at the end. But in terms of... In terms of that, that training aspect, and then like you sort of touched on with a bit more specificity, does it take a bit to transition between pieces of equipment as well? Obviously, you're going from a time trial bike on the road to mountain bike, trail shoes as well. You got yep. set of the, the Nike trail yep. shoes as well that you're going to yeah, be using. Talk about them. What's the what's the sort of gap between, I guess, your traditional triathlon setup where you got as much aerodynamics and as fast as you can to a slightly probably heavier mountain bike that's got dual suspension, getting used to um, playing around with suspensions and di different types of shoes on the run. How, how much of a transition does it take or how much time does it really take to get comfortable with that new set of equipment? Um, yeah, it's, I, I guess it depends. So I have been on my mountain bike semi-consistently, yep. you know, not a lot, but probably every few weeks I've been on it at least once. So. Mm -hmm. It didn't feel too foreign. Um, it's, it's it's much easier going from being on your TT bike to getting on your mountain bike. If yeah. if I was to do this whole block and six months of road mountain bike and then get back to the TT, yeah. then that would be a problem. Um, position wise, yeah, the aerodynamics aren't such a big deal, so you're much more upright. There's it's much more comfortable, wider handlebars. Yep. Um, 
So it's definitely different. It doesn't take long to get used to, though. I think your body's happy, happy in, mm -hmm. in a much more upright and open position. So there's not so much pressure there. There's a lot more consideration goes into the equipment, though, in like tires on a on a dry, hard packed, dusty day or a muddy day, or yeah. you know, change so many things like that. Experimenting with dropper posts and and whether that helps. For those that don't know, the post is up yeah. while you're pedaling. Press a button and it goes down, it, yeah. so you can get lower center of gravity for the downhills. Adds weight, maybe adds yeah. control. So there's, there's things like that to think about. Um, Do you change tire pressures at all for different surfaces? Yeah, if it's wet, I'll go yeah. lower. Mm. Um, tubeless helps, so you're not getting pinch flats. Mm. There's, yeah, there's a lot to think about. Um, What's it? Oh, lock. So suspension locks out. So when real, so very rarely though, really smooth stuff lock it out but otherwise that that wrist suspension actually helps with grip yep. on the on the bumpy climb so a proper cross-country bike should climb okay with the suspension um shoes wise i've always struggled with finding trail shoes that i like i've always found them heavy and clunky and no feel through yep. the shoes so i've actually um you've got a pair of the think the nike pegasus trail that got released and i love them like they're softer and they're not super aggressive, so I ran a Sylvan trail race on the weekend, and that was probably a bit beyond what they're built for, so still 10 times better than road shoes, mm. but not as good grip-wise as some of the some of the heavier-duty stuff, but the way they transition onto hard-packed fire roads or even onto concrete asphalt and still feel really good, so I finally found a pair that I like with that. Um, yeah, they, they feel quite similar to my road shoes, so that, that's a good thing, but yep. um, so not too much transition, but it's just a case of, of trying things so you find what you want, I think. Yeah. I, I personally just like to find essentially the same shoe with more grip, a bit more which grip. is what they, yep. what they sort of did with this Pegasus, so that's why it's working really well for me. Yeah, yeah good one. And probably the last point to touch on nutrition and hydration-wise, um, well, are you changing too much in terms of what you do road versus off-road given there's a change in sort of demand of the event you a bit more stop start is it easier or harder to get nutrition and hydration in plus probably the factor of i know a lot of guys with um, time trial bikes these days have the inbuilt hydration system so they can they can carry more fluid with them are you just then relying on stuff on course to pick up or do you just go i'm just gonna have to make do with with what i've got how, how does that change yeah i don't i haven't looked into it too much mm. um in terms of what, so three hours hopefully shouldn't be so vital, yeah. not, not like a, a, a four or five or an Ironman where you're going to bonk, but I'm definitely going to need to take stuff on. Yeah, how to do that, this issue, so many of mountain bikes know you've, you've got a drink bottle in the frame, it gets covered in mud, so it's just something to think about. It's hard to get out, depending on where you're riding there, there's sometimes there's almost no chance to take your hands off the bars to get it, so... We'll, we'll ride the course beforehand and make some decisions, but I'll probably take a camel back as an option. Yeah. Like grabbing that straw, Easy having that straw jam is yeah. much easier. So it's Hawaii, so it's going to be hot and humid and you're going to have to get fluid in, definitely mm. fluid in. Plus some fuel won't be as crucial to get too much fuel in. But again, it's really high intensity, so that, that carb burning rate is going to be up right yeah, up there, yeah, yeah. much higher than it would be so for an Ironman, yeah. so you're going to go through a lot. Running running's okay, it's much the same, a couple of aid stations and a gel or two something like that um probably yeah, probably hydration on the bike's a big one how, how we're going to get that in there is I an aid station out there i'm pretty sure so a chance to, to throw a bottle away and get another one my preference would be bottles if if that's works with the course to be able to yeah. reach down and actually get it I'd, I'd prefer to have that than have a camel back on but 
yeah, depending on the course, a camelback might be more practical. Necessary, yeah, yeah yep, and required. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll get over there early enough and make that decision when we're there. We raced Taiwan last year, which was super hot and humid. Yeah. Similar, from what we heard, quite similar conditions and course to Maui, and I did notice use a bottle there, and that was that was fine. I didn't have any issues there, so that, that's probably the way I'll go. I, I think one bottle, maybe two on the bike, and yeah. the run. So yeah, I'm just I'm, we're probably looking at twenty minute swim, an hour and a half. Could be anywhere from an hour and a half to two hours on the bike. That's a big one with variation. So. Yeah. I guess half an hour is a massive change in duration, yeah. so that, that can change strategy a bit, and Absolutely. then probably 45 minutes up to an hour, anywhere in there for the run, conditions-wise, so... Yeah, a few unknowns lot, going. Yeah, it's a lot at the moment, yeah, hopefully, hopefully a lot of stuff will be a bit clearer once we're there. It's, it's not, it is definitely a consideration, but it's not to the point of doing an Ironman where yep. it's going to be huge, so... Yep. You, can sort of, you can sort of go in with a little bit of sort of guessing that you can just play around with on the fly if you go, all right, uh, I'm only halfway through my bottle, I can I probably don't need to pick one up because I know I'm not going to get a chance to even drink it second half of the course, I'll just try and grab something before I run and yeah, we'll be cover more flexible. Yeah, we'll cover our bases, have, I'll have the Camelback and I'll have yeah. a, a fuel belt possibly or whatever it is and then once we learn the course a bit and we can make, make the call. decision what to actually mm. take with this race day um, from the you know, best to worst case scenario, I suppose, as long as we, we can cover all those situations when we're there, that'll be all right. Yeah. Yeah, good one. So I think we'll leave it there because plenty to sort of think about in terms of that transition between road racing versus the off-road stuff. Um, all the best in your prep for, for Xterra. If anyone yeah. is heading over and doing the Xterra Worlds, let us know. Um, yeah, and let us know how you're going with your training and if you need any tips or advice on what, what Tyler's doing. Uh, chuck us a, send us a message and we can definitely, definitely help you out. So hopefully you've enjoyed another episode uh, of the podcast and we'll see you in the next one.